welcome to I Have Some Notes, Side Notes Edition. This is a bonus episode where we're just going to sort of put a bow on our discussion of the top movies of the past decade, sort of reflect on the world of cinema and then the good, the bad, the crazy, the ugly, the unique, the interesting that we uh, never really got to touch on in our nice, neat little top ten list. Yeah, yeah this is... Yeah. This is uh being recorded at the tail end of 2019 but i believe it's coming out at the beginning of 2020 so it's a look back at the decade that was <laughs> 2020 yes. of course we gotta mention that we are a part of the alberta podcast network always gotta pay those bills <laughs> just wanted to throw that in there i was yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry i mean, maybe you're gonna we, get to it we all interrupted the normal introduction <laughs> and the flow of the episode is totally thrown off. i'm greg beaver I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATP. Uh, and we are jacked to talk about more movies, because uh, I, I don't know about you guys, I had a real hard time cutting this down to 10. Yeah, there were a lot of movies that I hemmed and hawed over and then did not put on my list. My, my pitch for this side notes was for us to just bark movie titles <laughs> for 20 minutes. Just have people did. listening be like, oh yeah, that was a good one. Oh, do you guys, oh, do you guys, yeah, guys remember no, Lego Movie? Lego Movie is good. Do you like the big yeah. short? I like the big short. <laughs> <laughs> I could literally do that for yeah, 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I wanted to talk about uh, quickly. We, we, we mentioned in the top 10 um, podcast, we talked about the Marvel movies and what they did for cinema in, in the last decade. You know, they were had a profound effect uh, and shaped blockbuster movies. Um, but only one of those movies made our top ten, and, and that was Scott. He he had Avengers at number three. Yep. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys why you think it is that none of those movies rose to your top tens. Especially I get I get that we were kind of talk, we talked a lot about like acknowledging the um, what Marvel accomplished, but at the same time, like there's something missing from these movies. Clearly, that they didn't rise to that level. There are some that were on my short list that ultimately, my decision to include Avengers kind of bumped them all from the list because I was like, I don't, I'm not going to populate my list with more than one Marvel. That was my thought too. I'm like, I'm not going to put more than one on my list. I really can't pick one. I think this is my answer to your question. The threshold from worst ones. Thor, Dark World, or Age of Ultron, uh, or to the best ones, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever, uh, the, 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 the gap is fairly narrow. They're all very good. Yeah. There are few that are exceptional excellent, the way that we gushed over our top ten lists, uh, and uh, there's really not many that are, like, egregiously bad, other than, like, yeah, Thor of the Dark World. <laughs> like, um, and so, but, but as a collective body of work it's it's staggering and breathtaking how good it is as a sum and and yeah there's there's something to be said about uh there's something to be said about getting on base with every film right like they don't all have to knock it out of the park yeah you're still you're still hitting the ball every time and that's pretty impressive for the amount of movies that they've put out that none of them have been abysmal mm -hmm. some of them have been as you mentioned worse than others but none of them have been truly odiously bad yeah um and i mean i can i can name some standouts which were on oh, my yeah. which were on my short list i think i might have even in, in my top do we 10 want to do a quick top three sure because i know mine easy well, it's, it's avengers guardians of the galaxy and uh, uh black panther sure like 
Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm, oh, you know what? Captain America Winter Soldier is <laughs> real good. Yeah. Oh, that's I, a tough one. I think uh, Ragnarok, uh, Winter Soldier, and Endgame for me. Yeah. You and I uh, you and I saw Ragnarok together, uh, and also uh, Mark and I had seen Lady Bird. No, Mark and I, no, that's what it was. Mark and I saw Ragnarok together and then joined you and Aaron for Lady Bird, and that was a wild double <laughs> That is some mood whiplash. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a... <laughs> Uh, I'll hit you guys up with this. This is this is why I think it is that they aren't appearing on our top ten list. Is that uh, the Marvel movies aren't a series of movies so much as they are a television show? Yeah, a really really expensive, star-studded t- television show. And and like a television show, most of them carry. Um, a similar tone and feel, right? Like there's a there's a design language to most of the uh, Marvel movies, um, and, and it feels very consistent uh, with each other. Um, the only possible exception to that is maybe Thor Ragnarok, but there and, and obviously Thor Ragnarok was kind of informed by Guardians. Though, yeah, too, like, so. there's there's definitely differences, but like and and certainly you know the the the, the feel changes as we go from the early Marvel movies up to up to Endgame. Um, but that's not much different than how a TV show grows and progresses, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's like you can't, like it's hard to sort of pick out the best episode of your uh, of your favorite yeah. TV series, right? And, um, you know, be like, you know, our, Scott and I could sit here and argue for probably 10 hours about what episode of TNG was the best, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, you know, obviously, the, the, the these movies don't typically have a lot to say. Um, yeah. they, they're good action movies. They are fun action movies. The 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 relationships between the characters are really fun. It's very witty most of the time, um, but they don't they don't really inform us about our world a whole lot. Yeah, and 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 for me, that's also another reason why it doesn't really trans transition into like something that it considers to be the best movies. Of the yeah, day. they're they're an escape, and mm. that I mean that's. Good. They're That's the, the something black people are heroin of escape. People yeah. go to the movies to escape from our world into another world for a little while, yeah. and uh, the Marvel movies just offer a continuing world yeah. in a way that no other f- movie franchise has really done yeah. before, and on on a scale that nobody else has really done before. It, they really do a good job of capturing the feel of a comic book universe. Like I was a big comics guy in the two thousands. I have the original civil war. Like I bought it month to month issues and followed along with the civil war story when it came out. And they, these movies do a great job of being like, here's, there's one big through line that affects them all. And then you can pick and choose your own individual side stories. Um, You can watch Ant-Man or you cannot. It doesn't change whether or not you can enjoy the rest of it. It's just more. And uh, it, yeah, they they really they really emulate the feeling of a of a comic book universe that comes out periodically that yeah. you get a sample of. Uh, Greg, a la carte sample mentioned, and I don't recall if you mentioned it before we recorded the last episode or in the last episode. But the Marvel movies, the reason people continue to go out to them is because it's an opportunity to go and spend two hours with one of your friends again. Yeah. It's just, in this case, your friend is Iron Man or Captain America. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why it'll be interesting to see how 
the next kind of leg of this Marvel experiment goes because a lot of those first generation characters have been kind of retired now. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if people connect with this new group of characters in the same way. Yeah. Or the ongoing characters. Some of them are sticking around. We'll, we'll have more Thor. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So just because this is along the same line and st- staying within oh, Disney, I, yeah. um, this decade also saw five Star Wars movies. Certainly by the time you're listening to this. Yes. And none of those made our top tens either. And I wanted to ask you guys, why do you think that was? Because uh, they were okay. <laughs> uh, and I say that as a longtime Star Wars fan. Um, they're, like, they're not bad. Yeah. I don't think any of the Star Wars movies that have come out, literally, I don't think any of the Star Wars movies that have come out in the last decade are bad. No. And I know people who will, who would drag me through the the dirt for suggesting that Solo or The Last Jedi were any good, yeah. but they were fine. They were good movies. Yeah. But they weren't great movies. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, maybe that's that Disney fatigue, that we've kind of experienced a little bit with Marvel. Yeah. We're just kind of oversaturated with Star Wars. But I don't think that there's been a truly great Star Wars movie that's come out in the last several decades. Yeah. And uh, which is not to say that they're not competent and fun. Again, they're they're that escape to a new to a different world for 2 hours with people who you're friends with. Yeah. And that's fine and fun and good. Doesn't necessarily make them great. Yeah. I said before The Force Awakens came out that The Force it was The Force Awakens was going to be the last time that a Star Wars movie was truly special. Yeah. And and because there had been so much time between Star Wars and I knew at that time that Disney was planning a Star Wars movie every year and obviously that was going to uh, changed the dynamic of what Star Wars was uh, pretty dramatically. Yes, like Star Wars has a lot of extended universe stuff, but the movies were always kind of apart from that. Yeah, locked down in this in this sort of um, special. You know, they're almost like gatekeeped. <laughs> you know, in a way, like they were just like we lock those away. We're only going to do a Star Wars trilogy. Uh, when it's when the time is right and we really feel like we've got the story, they, maybe they didn't get the story. That's just I mean the idea was <laughs> that was the intention anyway. Yeah. And of course you know Disney goes and buys that buys it and, and ruins that essentially. I mean like the, the, these movies that have come out the the Star Wars movies again like you say Scott they're all they're all fine for the most part. Um, we were treated to I think the first Star Wars that um, that tried to say something. Uh, you know, a little bit more than just good versus evil. Uh, and I think uh, that was fun. I think Ryan Johnson should be commended mm-hmm. for trying to make uh, Star Wars something more or, or, or you know, turning Star Wars in on itself and, and making it answer some tough... Yeah, yeah, being introspective and, make, and asking some tough questions. And Star Wars fans... Some of them didn't like that. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's, I, that's, some Star Wars fans didn't like The Empire Strikes Back when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was, that was sort of the point I was going to make is like, I, I actually worked with a guy who had never seen any Star Wars movies, full stop. And I was like, thinking about it, because it was around the time like one of them was coming out, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, really deep down, buddy, if, if I had to recommend one, watch A New Hope. 
it's one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. Yeah, and then everything that comes after it, Jedi and Empire, all the books, all the comics, all the video games, all the extended universe stuff, Star Tours at Disneyland, then the prequels, then the TV shows, then the modern Disney era. It's nothing is ever going to come close to how good just A New Hope is on its own as a piece of science fiction. And like you said, it's not special anymore. And I think the reason I didn't make my list is because I put movies on my list that were things I hadn't seen before. And you've seen Star Wars. And before. I've seen Star Wars before. I the, also, th- sorry, Scott, I, I also tend to think that, and, and this is, um, I, I, I'll credit Red Letter Media for putting this idea in my brain, that like Star Wars is actually a, a pretty limited universe. Mm-hmm. Like when it, when it really gets down to it, um, the, the core of Star Wars is stormtroopers, lightsabers, Jedi, and maybe a princess. And the rebels. Well, it's and just, the rebels. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like when you, when you extend that universe, I, I don't, I think it starts to lose its um, cohesion a little bit. I disagree. <laughs> and the reason yeah. I disagree is because I am having fun with Star Wars in a way that I haven't in a long time because I'm watching The, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yes, I feel the exact same way. It's, I'm excited about Star Wars again because of that show. It is It is a testament to the fact that Star Wars... And I mean, I could have said this even just from the Clone Wars cartoon from years ago. Yeah. Star Wars actually works really well as serialized storytelling. And the reason I like The Mandalorian so much is because it's happening at the periphery. It's happening outside and completely divorced from the whole Skywalker family drama that all of the movies are centered on and it's kind of exploring some of the some of the nooks and crannies of the star Mm -hmm. wars universe in a fun way and in a visual way that i've that that is giving me the same kind of feeling that i got from the original star wars movies that's and i'm really liking it and that's it's it's really good, and I'm I'm liking it more than I've liked some of the recent Star Wars. Yeah, movies. that's exactly how I felt. Like <laughs> I had more fun watching that than any of the flick. And I think that's what Solo and Rogue One missed the mark on. That it's what they were trying. They to were do? trying to be like, yeah. here's a story on the periphery, but it's like it's not. It's still super tied to the Battle of Yavin and and all that. You know. Like, yeah, there was I mean, Rogue One really suffered from a whole lot of fan service that was yeah. to me wholly unnecessary. It wasn't necessary to bring Peter Cushing back. It wasn't necessary to even have Darth Vader in the movie at all. It so wasn't, watching it was, Darth Vader murk a bunch of dudes is pretty cool, granted. I guess. It's, yeah, and, and certainly not... Um, there was no reason to see Leia in all her no. uncanny valley glory, right? Like, it's just... It was... Like, if we saw a nice, tight story about this this group of, of rebels, I think it would have been fine yeah yeah but yeah i um, sometimes the, you almost get the sense that like the studio kind of got the well we gotta see vader yeah right? yeah yeah it's it's just it's bogged down in its own expectations that it'll never it will never appease the fans or escape their expectations that, and and i think that's one of the reasons the mandalorian kind of works on its own because it's just its own thing yeah, yeah. it's can- you can kind of argue that, also like... Baby Yoda. <laughs> I love him. You, you can kind of argue that in Rogue One, um, the 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 ending, the sacrifice that Jyn Erso and other dude are are making is kind of undercut uh, by all the all the um, wasted time spending tying 
the movie directly to a new hope. Whereas those, those two characters deserved to have their full moment. And that, that moment should have essentially been the end of the movie, but it didn't, it wasn't. Yeah. That's, and and that's that seems, that seems fair. unfair to the characters to me and, and, and could have improved that movie wildly. Yeah. Well, why don't we uh, just go take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, sort of check in if there's any other loose threads or, or thoughts we want to cover. Hey, fellow armchair screenwriters, Greg here with a quick editor's note. I know in that last section, Scott mentioned that uh, we all kind of agreed that there were no bad Star Wars films last decade. Well, we've all seen The Rise of Skywalker now, and I'm not sure that that statement is true any longer. Um, you know, personally, it was, I think, the worst Star Wars film that I've ever seen. Uh, so, I guess, um, better luck with the next trilogy, Disney? Now, you may recall in our last episode, we'd had fellow podcasters jump in with their own top 10 movies of the 2010s. Unfortunately, the episode ran so long that we couldn't fit everyone in, so, uh, we, with apologies to Kino Lefter, we had to leave them out. Um, so we are writing that wrong right here, um, so please enjoy, uh the top 10 list from our friends over at Kino Lecter. Hello, I have some notes. This is Abdul from Kino Lefter. You are on our show. I came on yours. I love you guys. Um, and I was very excited when you um, gave me a platform to provide you a list because I don't get, you know, the ability to tell people my lists often enough and it doesn't give me enough clout online for it to for me to feel validated so when you asked i answered i'm very happy about it um my my top 10 of the decade list is maybe a little more esoteric than a lot of people's but um you know also i i went to film school i'm a huge loser so uh here it is um my number 10 is martin scorsese's silence you know i think it's his best film he's made the century I think it's absolutely spectacular. It's a really great meditation on faith, and everyone should watch it. My uh, number nine is The Tribe, which is a Ukrainian film from a couple of years ago, which is all in sign language. It's it's a Martin Scorsese-esque gangster film that takes place at a school for the deaf that's running an underground escort operation. Um, there's no spoken language or subtitles in the movie, but it's just amazing the way they shoot it and the fact that you can tell what's going on without any like subtitles or, or language in there um there's uh my number eight is a ghost story david lowry's you know amazing film about like living and dying and going past death um again very easy i think it's on netflix and everyone should watch it my number seven is american honey by andrea arnold three hours shia labeouf what more can you ask for um, it is maybe one of the greatest American films ever made, and maybe the best road movie ever made. Number six is The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson. Not a lot to say about it. You know, it's about Scientology, but it's about everything else. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is, I think, the greatest actor since Brando, Rest in Power King. Um, <clears throat> number five is Boots Riley, Sorry to Bother You. I'm a pretty aggressive leftist, and I love union politics and this film was such a good amazing take on it and everyone should watch it number four is zama lucretia martel's meditation on colonialism um just what an unexpectedly brilliant film i haven't stopped thinking about it since i've seen it and everyone should watch it 
Uh, number three is uh, a pitch upon we are Sathakal's uh, Palm d'Or winner, Uncle Boonmi, who can recall his past lives. Um, you can tell I'm a little obsessed with death and dying because this is another film that's a meditation on what it means to live. Um, again, uh, not a lot to say about it. It's nearly a perfect film, and it's so unconventionally cinematic. And you don't, if you don't watch art films, watch this one. You know, uh, number two is Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. One of the best crime films ever made. One of the best um, films, you know, sort of about life ever made. It's just a really clean, vivid look at at the idea of memory and the way memory presents itself and executes itself. Um, and my number one film of the entire decade is one of the first films I saw this decade, and it's Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life, an incredibly spiritual movie about prayers, um, about what it means to have faith, about what it means to live and die, and also what is your place as like an insignificant part of this massive universe. And there's a lot in there. It's not for everyone, but I watch it once a year and I feel spiritually fulfilled. Um, anyway, yeah, I love your show. Hope that list wasn't too pretentious, but uh, look forward to chatting with you guys in the new year. Have a great one. Hello, I have some notes. Crew, this is Evan McDonald from Kino Lefter. You can find me on Twitter at McDonald Tweets. And I am humbly offering you my top 10 list of the best movies of the past decade. And these are in order from 10 to number one. So number 10 is uh, Moneyball. So uh, I think this is a terrific Brad Pitt performance directed by Bennett Miller, written by Aaron Sorkin and Steven Zalian. Uh, one of the only Aaron Sorkin things I like. Uh, it's a phenomenal sports movie. Uh, it's a phenomenal character piece. Check it out. My number nine film is the Matt Reeves uh, phenomenal blockbuster Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I think it's a really terrific look um, at peace, uh, at governance, uh, and it's a marvelous Andy Serkis performance. I think this movie gives a lot of humanity to its characters, uh, and it adds uh, tragedy to war in a way that most blockbuster movies do not. Uh, number eight, uh, we've got Damien Chazelle's Whiplash from 2014. Uh, this was one of my favorite theater experiences I've ever had. I wanted to stand and cheer uh, at the end of the film. Obviously, J.K. Simmons won an Academy Award uh, for his marvelous performance as a very nasty drum teacher. Um, and Miles Teller is uh, Miles Teller. He just kind of exists. He's not a great he's not a great actor, but you know he's fine. Uh, number seven uh, is a, a movie that I think defined taste uh, for a lot of this decade. It's Nicholas, Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive. Um, so everyone loves the jacket from the movie, um, but I think uh, it's got a phenomenal soundtrack. Everybody knows that. Um, but it's such a it's such a great throwback uh, kind of action movie, uh, and really, there's nothing wrong with it. Number six uh, is The Florida Project, directed by Sean Baker. Uh, it was my favorite movie of 2017. Um, of course, things are a little bit out of order here. Um, but uh, it's a great look at poverty in modern America. Uh, a very human film. Uh, Willem Dafoe, Brooklyn Prince, great performances. Can't really find a better movie. Number five, uh, this is a masterpiece from Lynn Ramsey. It's We Need to Talk About Kevin. Um, so one of the most uncomfortable viewing experiences uh, you can probably have, um, but I think it does a lot of interesting things on a storytelling story level, talking about trauma and memory and the interplay between those. Number four uh, is Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049. Again, one of my favorite theater experiences. It's a sci-fi masterpiece, arguably better than the original. 
Number three uh, is If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, this is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, fantastic performances. Number two is the second Denny Villeneuve movie on this list. It's Sicario. Um, this movie has stayed with me ever since I've saw it, ever since I've seen it. Um, it's a great look at Empire. Um, it's deeply tragic, um, but I think it's a movie that captures a lot of the political sentiments of the times uh, we live in today. And my number one film of the 2010s, I don't think this is a surprise, it'll probably be number one on a lot of people's lists, it's George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road, um, it's an impeccable work uh, of action cinema, and uh, again, nothing wrong with it. So, keep up the good work, and I'm looking forward to hearing everyone else's lists. Hi there, I have some notes, daddies. This is Laura from Kino Lefter. I'm at underscore Saturn Return. Um, I didn't get the memo properly for uh, top 10 of the decade. Unfortunately, I can't read. So um, neither of the fellas on my uh, podcast uh, read the text out loud to me. Um, so I just prepared my top 10 list of 2019. And uh, it goes a little something like this. Um, number 10 is uh, Midsummer. This is the... Ari Aster film uh, set in Sweden. It's um, kind of a, a fantasy folk horror, a very dark um, a feminist film. Um, I would highly uh, recommend that people check out the uh, director's cut. Um, number nine for me is uh, Midsummer. This is uh, 2019 um, horror smash uh, was re-released um, as the extended cut and it's well worth watching though it clocks in at about uh, three and a half hours. Um, number eight, uh, Midsummer. It's a beautiful meditation on what it means to uh, experience love and loss uh, and grief. Um, number seven is The Lighthouse. It's a great film about uh, two men on a deserted um Lighthouse Post, really great uh, uh, film, very psychological drama. Number six, Midsummer. Number five is Midsummer. It was Ari Aster's uh, follow-up film to the smash hit Hereditary. And I think it was really the movie that he wanted to make at the end of um, at the end of uh, uh, of hereditary it has this kind of cult feel um that he wanted to go for and uh you know he just really fleshed that out into an entire film um number four midsummer number three would probably be midsummer Number two, If Beale Street Could Talk, beautiful story about um, a, uh, that was a kind of an adaption of a uh, James Baldwin novel. Um, it goes into uh, discussions about race in America, um, about, uh, you know, gender politics, incarceration, very lovely film, um, absolutely beautiful, one of the best sex scenes I've ever seen. And um, actually, my number one movie of the year is... Ari Aster's Midsummer. Um, it uh, really uh, features amazing for performances from uh, Florence Pugh and uh, the rest of the cast, and it's a great thing to check out. Thanks, fellas. Have a wonderful um, New Year's Eve, and uh, see you all in 2020. Again, thanks to Kino Lefter for providing those lists. Now, time for some ads. Hooray! Tired of paying banking fees when you can't remember the last time you went into a branch? You spoke, ATB listened. They've created a no-monthly fee digital account with a line of credit that makes banking work for you. 
By doing most of your banking digitally, you'll avoid monthly fees and get unlimited digital transactions. It's 24-7 banking at its finest. Visit ATB.com today to sign up for a no-fee all-in account and discover digital banking that works for you. Also, we want to tell you about the Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes as we uh, recap our final thoughts on a great decade of filmmaking. Uh, we had we had toyed with the idea of uh, some of our worst movies, um, but I mean, when I really thought about the ones that were like egregiously bad, I just don't want to even talk about them. I mean, that's kind of the premise of our show. And that's, yeah. yeah, but even the, at least the movies we pick on a regular show, still there's like something there to talk about, and we try to pull out the good. I'm like, I saw the uh, I think it's called The Forest with uh, Natalie Dormer. It was like, yeah, and you know yeah. when a movie comes out in early January that it's a bad movie. And having to explain to the person I was uh, dating at the time, really wanted to go see this movie. And I'm like, the simple fact that it's a horror movie being released in January tells you everything you need to know. Uh, and then she had the audacity to fall asleep and make me watch it all by myself. Um, so yeah, I, I put the, the, I think it's called The Woods. It's about the Japanese suicide forest. I put that up there. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was like stuff like Splice. She was like one of the worst science fiction slash horror movies I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I hate it, hate it, hate it. I also really, really hated, um, um, is it uh, Neon Demon? Mm. Um, garbage movie from start <laughs> to finish in my book. Um, yeah, it was. The, the, I can think of like there's a lot. I watched a lot of bad stuff, and 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 admittedly, a lot of it's on per- purpose because, you know, I I like ribbing <laughs> a bad movie. It's a, it's it's fun, but like, um, uh, by and large, I think the the decade actually gave us a lot of good stuff. Uh, I would agree. For me, some of the low points of the last decade were actually big tentpole movies mm-hmm. that were from long-established franchises mm. that were... Were there any... Shatteringly disappointing. Uh, you've got, you know, your your failed DC efforts. Yeah. Those were ongoing disappointments. I am surprised Wonder Woman didn't make any of our lists. But. Um, mm. Which is a solid movie. It was actually on my short list. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But uh, most superhero movies didn't quite edge into my top ten. Um, I also really loathed Spectre. I think it was a low point in the Bond franchise. <laughs> uh Famously, having said to friends that I think Moonraker is a superior Bond movie to Spectre. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also yeah. really did not like Star Trek Into Darkness when it came out. Actually, yeah. none of the. But I was. I left that movie angry at the movie, which is not something I say about many movies. I left that movie. I think confused is probably <laughs> the best way to put it because I was trying to figure out what the point of 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 uh redoing the con the con story yeah well, let's let's uh immediately draw a comparison between ourselves and the best star trek movie surely <laughs> that could not go poorly <laughs> and, and and the and the stupid mystery box surrounding oh who's benedict cumberbatch and everyone was like oh he's con and they were like or is he and no he he was yeah. he was con <laughs> like you didn't need to you didn't need to be coy about it we figured it out yeah I, I could have I could have been on board with like maybe a retelling of Space Seed, but instead instead they kind of I guess they kind of did both in a way. 
and they clumsily and dumb. Yeah. It was just a bad movie. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. Not just a bad Star Trek movie, of which there are plenty to choose from. <laughs> also, just a bad movie. Yeah. <coughs> uh, yeah, I... I yeah, there's some real, real stinkers over there. So let's not dwell on that. Let's not dwell let's on that. Let's not dwell on that. I also noticed that none of the Hobbit movies obviously made on our list. We mentioned Ben and the Cumberbatch. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, there's all the dang Hobbit movies. Yeah, there were a lot of um, pretty big misfires as far as the tent poles go, like Scott said. Um, yeah. I, I tried desperately to watch the Hobbit movies, and, and they generally just kind of left me angry. The, the Hobbit movies, to me, was like watching the last act of Return of the King played out as a four-hour movie. Yeah. The I didn't actually get around to watching the third one. That's how yeah, just, I watched the first one. That was enough for um, me. And I think if you really want a good post-mortem on The Hobbit, no one here yeah. can do it the justice that Lindsay Ellis does. Yeah, correct. Just watch on her Hugo Award-nominated nice. uh, retrospective on the hobbit which you can find on youtube it's a trilogy in four parts yeah uh and it is very good highly recommend uh i there's one thing i just want to shine a light on because we're talking about bad movies and i I thought about a terrible movie i watched called assholes and that'll be the beginning and the end of everything i say about that movie (laughs) but that same night that i watched assholes i watched another movie called uh bad black which was part of the ugandan cinema uh, uh, sort of renaissance that we are currently in. Uh, are either of you familiar with Bad Black or Who Killed Captain Alex? No, but I am familiar with Ugandan cinema. Yeah, it's it's this. It was this love letter to film made by people who loved movies and making movies. And if you get a chance to watch Who Killed Captain Alex or Bad Black, uh, I I got to see it at Dead Fest, and the, the filmmakers sent like a little pre roll, like, "Hey, Edmund, like." Dead Fest, we love you. Thank you for having us. We're so stoked you're in on our movie. We've sent you a special Edmonton Dead Fest cut of the movie. And the Dead Fest cut of Bad Black, basically a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end, when someone would be doing like karate kicks and punches, it would just be like on the screen superimposed, Edmonton kick, <laughs> Dead Fest action. Uh, and I'm just like, these people, like they just, they, they loved movies and making it. And so I recommend, if, yeah, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, uh, Ugandan cinema uh, is making some really incredible films because of just like love, love cinema. If you are um, a fan of uh, watching bad movies to riff on them, like uh, you're a big fan of Mystery Science Theater, or you, or you gather, this yeah, or or you get uh, or you get friends together routinely to riff on movies, I would highly recommend that you check out a director named Neil Breen. Oh, yeah. Neil Breen is an incredible. Filmmaker? Question mark. Uh, he's uh, his movies are so um, surreal, um, bizarre, um, almost like you get the sense that they're kind of in a strange way autobiographical. In the, but they're but they've got like these crazy um, uh, sci-fi bents to them. Um, but uh, you know he, he shoots them for like pennies. No. Um, and, but he, he, he does it, he does it all with love. Like he's, he, he's serious about making these films. He loves doing them. Um, he's, he's just a weird dude. He's with, he's got a weird body and it, and he likes to show it off and it's, and it's kind of, it's 
funny and disturbing at the same time. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's, it, I, I, I seriously have it on my 70 movies uh, that I that I was culling of my uh, for my top ten list. I had his movie Fateful Findings on it <laughs> just because it was one of the movies that I I I just enjoyed so much. Uh, go find uh, Fateful Findings if you can. Watch it with friends. Uh, you will not be disappointed because even if you're frustrated with being it being a terrible terrible movie that's almost impossible to follow, you will have so much fun trying to figure out what's happening yeah. that it will be uh, uh, enjoyable for you. So I highly recommend doing that. Yeah, big uh, uh, what's uh, why can't the the room? Um, Tommy Wiseau. Big Tommy Wiseau vibes. I'm getting from this sort of a sort of. He's so much stranger than uh, I think than even Tommy Wiseau. And maybe less obnoxious. He's not actually Tommy. Tommy Wiseau is a more accomplished filmmaker for one thing. Like, by like quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this, this is what you're in for. One of the movies on my on my shirt list was the Disaster Artist. The like the Seth Rogen James Franco right. sort of cover of it was I I it was considered for a while. I really quite like that one. Mm. Uh. A couple movies that were on my shortlist that didn't quite make it for one reason or another. Yeah. Uh, I really liked The Death of Stalin. Oh, shit, yeah. Which is, it's oh, just, it's, it's so good. real good. It's uh, it's Armando Iannucci, who uh, is famous for television shows like The Thick of It and Veep. Yeah. Um, and it's 100% that style, except it's about the day's following the death of Stalin in the Soviet yeah. Union and the palace coup that ensues. And it's in that very black deadpan yeah. sense of humor that he has. And it, if you watch it, you're going to think there's no way that this is what happened. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, it is very historically accurate, just condensed down what would have taken a few weeks in real life into a few days. Yeah. And it's, such a bizarre and weird insight into a totalitarian regime in flux. I, I and truly it's worth checking forgot out. about that. Like in whenever searching like movies of twenty, you know, eighteen, forgot it. Like it didn't come up, and I forgot. About it. I'm almost wondering. I might. I can't retroactively do it now, <laughs> but this very well could hold the same spot. What we do in the shadows could for me. It was an exceptionally funny film. It was it the blackest of humor. Yeah, it's real dark, but it's incredibly funny it's uh, got a star-studded cast of people who aren't even pretending to do russian accents <laughs> that's the thing i liked about it they're just in a, but they keep calling each other comrade it's like well yeah. comrade khrushchev we need to figure this out and yeah it's like, no yeah. it's so good yeah uh, another movie that was on my short list that i didn't quite put on my top 10 was braid from 2018 by mitzi perone it is a mind screw <laughs> it is a thriller that will bend your brain and it stuck with me for days and I was shown it by some friends uh, who were like, check out this movie. And I watched it and I was like, I don't even know what just happened. And days later, I was still like, I still don't know what just happened. But it was, it was visually great. It was well put together and it was, it was messed up in the best way. And so I would recommend it as well. And I just recently saw Knives Out, yes. and I didn't put it on my list because of recency bias, but I really liked Knives That's Out. Fair. You should go see Knives Out. Yeah, I haven't seen Parasite either. Um, I feel like that might Also supposed to be very yeah. good, yes. Did, did you, either of you guys see Gerald's Game? It is uh, one Netflix movie that does not suck. Mm. It's actually <laughs> quite good. It's it's based off of a Stephen King novel, I believe. Um Carla Gugino, um, 
is incredible in this movie and it's worth it just to watch it. It's hard to describe exactly what it is. I guess it's like a psychological thriller or psychological horror. Is this the one where the woman ends up trapped in a cottage with her husband's corpse mm-hmm. because they were engaged in some mm-hmm. that's, sexual adventures? That's Gerald. Okay. Gerald dies of a heart attack while she's strapped to a handcuffed to a bed. And then stuck there yeah 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 i i'm obviously i've heard of it and i've actually heard good things about it and i've also heard it's tough to watch yeah yeah if you're squeamish (laughs) yeah yep that's uh yeah that's that's valid it's supposed to be very good though yeah Yeah. Uh, that's one you can watch for free hurrah there you go i was gonna comment too that uh Netflix oh, isn't exactly Netflix free. Is, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, I was going to say no Wes Anderson movies made our list, but there was also only two, uh, three. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, and I Love Dogs. Grand Budapest was actually on my list. I list. did yeah. like Yeah. All, I, I, I just, Wes Anderson is great, but maybe just not not top ten worthy. He, didn't, he kind of, didn't do a Royal Tannenbaums this yeah. decade. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm lukewarm on Wes Anderson I guess like I like some of his stuff and but when I don't like his stuff I really don't like it that's so, fair yeah. and actually in fairness I have not seen Moon, Moonrise Kingdom so. yeah Rushmore is still my favorite that's a good one West Royal Tannenbaums I did say <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, uh, any final thoughts on uh, this decade of cinema uh, hopefully we get uh, another decade of cinema as largely good as this one well what, what would you like to see what would be something you would you would love to see I'll, I'll be honest that I would love to see a transition off of superhero movies at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful that another genre will pick up the slack. I don't know what that would be or when. Uh, uh, for me, it would be science fiction. I would love if science fiction would really just... More, I think, more ships in space, please. I, th- I honestly think that the superhero boom of the last decade has given more weight to genre films in general. Yeah, um, We're seeing more uh, horror films and science fiction films that are being given a lot more critical consideration and not being poo-pooed because they're sci-fi or horror. Mm-hmm. And that's why you end up with movies like Arrival or Get Out yeah. that are making waves and getting critical acclaim despite being niche genre movies and i think that that hopefully is a trend that continues into this decade as well yes i would see i would love to see 3d movies die in a hole (laughs) yeah Uh, i truly hate 3d movies and if you're listening to this and you buy tickets to 3d movies uh i we beefing um (laughs) please stop buying tickets to 3d movies so they stop making them it does not enhance the experience yeah. At it, all makes it worse by a lot. By a yeah. country yeah. mile, yeah. it's it, it's not a movie. If a movie is working, it doesn't need to make it feel like tentacles are popping out at you. Like, nope. and if that's what you're looking for in a movie, this is going to sound obnoxious, and I don't care. You're you you don't like movies. <laughs> you like something else that's stupid. Like it's. <laughs> I, <laughs> it, I can't imagine watching a movie and being like, you know what, this missed. Of artificial perspective, like yeah, it either it works or it doesn't. Yeah, I rarely hear hear anyone say about a movie like, "Oh, the three D is amazing." Yeah, I've literally never heard anyone say that to the point where I think people buy tickets out of sheer convenience. Like, well, the Avengers starts at this time, so I guess that's when I buy the. T- you know, honestly, Nita and I go out of our way to buy me new, too to me buy too. tickets for non three D city center life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do like AVX, though, simply because I like being able to buy a seat ahead of time and not have to do rush seating. 
Ooh, that's something that I would like to see more in the next decade is more um, um, couch style cinemas. I think that's really neat. Yeah. I think it's. I think I do like the VIP theaters. I like being in a nice, comfortable couch. I like the 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 leg rests and stuff like that. Um, I we were Aaron and I were in uh, one of those. Um, uh, couch style ones in in Portland, yeah. Um, and the, it was just like you were in this this really low couch that was like just really pillowy and stuff like that. It was like the most comfortable uh, way that I've watched a movie before. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. So more of that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, less 3D. If you're gonna if you're gonna try and drag people to the theater by some sort of gimmick, that's the way that I would do it. I would not do it. By spraying water in people's faces and vibrating their seat. That's yeah. dumb. People don't go to the movies to go on an amusement park ride. They yeah. go to amusement parks to go on amusement park rides. Yeah. Build an amusement park, dicks. <laughs> well. Jack, I just, uh, I just was like, I was, I was thinking about those rocking ones and how they released a jackass movie with those and how that was weird. And I looked there. Bad Grandpa did come out in 2013. I don't know why that didn't make any of our lists. Oh, yeah, I can't uh, imagine. <laughs> no, that's. Uh, I think. I think we've covered all the ground we need to cover. For, yeah, if we're going to bring sure. up Bad Grandpa, I think it's time to put a put a cap on this when, decade. When people bring up Bad Grandpa, <laughs> that's the end of a decade. Well, the Jackass presents Bad Grandpa, not to be confused with the one with Jack Nick, or uh, uh, De Niro and. Uh, the kid from High School Musical. Um, that was also called Bad Grandpa. This We're getting way off topic. Anyway, uh, guys, that was our uh, Side Notes mini episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. And once again, thank you uh, uh, to, to our listeners for a great year. Please uh, follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider a rate and review on iTunes. It really does help us out. You can find all of our episodes on the CKUA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts over at the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Not going to miss it at the end here. <laughs> Good job. Can I uh, stick in a producer note? Because uh, we are going away for um, a couple extra weeks than normal. Uh, we're going to take uh, a month off from here on um, for, for a couple reasons. One, to recharge the old creative batteries. And, and two, um, we're actually going to be switching our feed our, uh, we're going to move to a, a different uh, service provider for our podcast, um, and uh, there may be some uh, some hiccups in in service. Um, we keep an eye on our on our Twitter and Facebook feed. We'll keep you apprised of, of when we make the switch over. Um, technically, everything should be seamless, but of course, as we know in, in, in the web world, nothing is always guaranteed of that. So we will we will let you keep you apprised of when we make the switch over. And, and uh, where and when to get our new feed. Just let's keep you apprised of that. Perfect. Uh, and yeah, once again, that's all on the uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. Uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies.